there and welcome to Appetite for Production, your source for the craziest things that have ever happened in music technology that are happening right now, right James? There are a lot of weird things happening in the music technology world as we speak. What are some weird things that you're going to tell me about this uh, time? This time we are talking about an AI sampler. No. That sounds like the stuff of science fiction, mate. We're going to be going through a weird manual. Oh, okay. Michelangelo's synth and drum machine. From the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm pretty sure it is him. Wicked. He was the painter, yeah? That's that's right. Your history knowledge is on point. What is happening with Behringer? What isn't happening with Behringer, mate? We're going to talk about the gulf between dance music production and rock music production. Oh, a gulf that should definitely not be bridged. Ilox. Yes, no, or no? Uh, yeah, it's a, well, it's an important choice that everyone has to make for themselves. We get freaky with the NI Crush Pack. <laughs> yeah, wicked, and dirty, and bitey as well. Oh. James, Beringer have been in the news recently, haven't they? Yes, yes, talk to me about them. Well, first there was a thing about some, like, workers striking in a factory that made their stuff about, like, unsafe working conditions or something like that. Mm. And then they, like, wanted to sue some, like, forum users for slagging their stuff off, Yes, yes, they wanted to sue as part of a suit against Dave Smith Instruments, or at least someone from Dave Smith Instruments. They also included, as part of that, a bunch of Gear Sluts forum users. Nice. Unnamed, unknown Gear Sluts forum users. (laughs) It could be anyone. Yeah, exactly. It could be me. Oh, it's God. not me. <laughs> it is you. Um, so that's great PR for Beringer there, really. Yeah, uh, they're really making themselves known as the people's instrument manufacturer, aren't they? Because what you want to do is, when you're a big instrument, instrument manufacturer, you want to financially threaten like a small beloved instrument manufacturer. I think that's probably the way you want to do things, isn't it? And a bunch of the general public Oh, and the well. gen- Yeah, and the general public as well. Just like, you know, they're, they're customers, essentially. Uh, and you should also make sure to threaten uh, journalists... Oh, really? Is that happening as well? Yeah, Chinese journalists. What? Exactly. Uh, The website MidiFan, which is a Chinese website about, you know, plugins and synths and stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. The editor of MidiFan, uh, Nan Tang, who is the founder of the site and also works with uh, Second Sense Audio, uh, the plugin developer, he has been threatened by Behringer as well this, uh, this week. Threatened what, physically or with a lawsuit? With a lawsuit. It's okay. a, a very sort of uh, ambiguous letter that he received uh, from someone representing Behringer. No one can tell if they're actually suing him or if uh, they want to. But yeah, he has used the words copycat. What? And, <laughs> and Outrageous. The word shameless. Uh, <laughs> Behringer are taking exception to that and uh, shaking their fists. And him oh, as well. So, yeah, like you say, great publicity for Behringer just to, uh, you know. Well, we're chatting about them, I suppose. Well, so, that's uh, true. That, and that was probably their end game, I would have thought, to I mean, get a mention on our podcast. If I was doing PR for Behringer, yeah. if I wanted to shake my fist at anyone, it probably wouldn't be the general public, the general no. synth buying public. It would probably be expensive manufacturers. 
Yeah. Well, they should they should go to the European court or whatever and uh, accuse everyone of price fixing. Yeah, it's it's a very strange uh, time we're living in. It's like they're just going after anyone. They're, like we should try and get them to go after us, so that like people will hear about the podcast. What do you reckon? Uh, I think no. Let's watch. What, what can we say about Beringham? Nothing. <laughs> they seem like they're litigious. That's the thing. They're they're showing. They're proving. And there's this whole thing in in copyright law and in libel and defamation law that if you don't protect what is yours, then people can just start using it. Such as like. The Amen Break, for example. Okay. If, if a load of people had been sued for using that, then people wouldn't really ever use it again. Mm-hmm. But since no one has been sued, if they try and sue you now, you can say, well, you let everyone else use it and you didn't sue them and you can pretty much legally use it. And so maybe they're just sort of keeping keeping at people in order to make sure that they're staying litigious, which is a great way to have a legal system, isn't it? What do you mean... They are going after people to protect their interests so that no one can say, well, you never went after anyone, so you aren't protecting your interests. I don't know, man. Like, why don't they just, like, leave it and just make loads of money selling their Chinese-made instruments? That's a good question. Um, I am less keen on getting a boog now, Uh, to be honest, mate. as, As a result of this directly. Um, yeah, it just seems like we can see we're all complicit in capitalism and it's already horrible. But like the thing is, when you've got a specific example like this and you feel like you can kind of vote with your wallet, you feel like that's one of the little bits of power we have. So I feel like True. I should do it in this case. Because the thing is, like getting a, getting a new laptop for me or whatever is, isn't really a luxury. That's kind of like a necessity because a got, man's got to eat. But I don't really need a boog and... Like, mate, if I was working in like a, a factory in China in unsafe conditions, I'd be hacked <laughs> off, mate, frankly. You can also check out Behringer's reviews on the employment website Glassdoor. Oh uh, my God, what where, does that say? Uh, where employees rate their employers mm-hmm. and uh, bosses and managers and owners and stuff like that. People rate their owners. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not going to tell you anything about those reviews, but if you are so minded, you can look them up quite easily. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> well, let's, maybe we should uh, draw, a, draw a veil over all this unseemliness. Archuria, you know them. Yeah. You like them. Yeah, they're all right. They're known now for bringing out limited edition versions of their synths every so often. Oh, okay. Uh, And now we have the creative editions of Archuria's Drum Brute and Micro Brute. Check your email. Oh, okay. Let's have a little look. Oh, my God. So these are... (laughs) <laughs> Michelangelo themed <laughs> creative editions of the Drum Brute and the Micro Brute. Yes, that is uh, the creation of Adam. Wow. Do I need to watch this video? Have a look. It's very quick. Okay. Jump around. Yeah, you got to have jump around if you're releasing a limited edition of... Uh, that doesn't really fit with the whole kind of uh, Michelangelo sort of theme. No, I mean, I don't think he ever jumps around. It's more like paint around. No. Interesting way to do things. You know, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. 
Um, I like it how people are getting a bit weird with it. Like, yeah, all, all right, Everlast. Um, how uh, people are getting a bit weird with it. Like that thing that we're going to look at in a bit. Mm. So I, I know it's kind of crazy. It, Maybe it's a reaction to the insanity of the modern world. It could well be. Maybe we need some art uh, in our lives, in our music-making lives, just to remember. Uh, yeah. I mean, the tagline for this is uh, touched by inspiration. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we've all been touched by inspiration in inappropriate ways when we're programming our synths. Well, I, yeah, I know. So what is going to presumably happen now is you'll get every time you tweak a knob, you're going to have to like point a pokey finger out like God. And I guess that's what Arteria want is to kind of get, you know, make people feel like gods with this. I suppose so, yeah. And I, I often do feel like a god when I'm uh, twisting a filter cut off. But that's, <laughs> that's just my own megalomania. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And omnipotence. I think that is shared, uh, something that is shared by a lot of people who are into electronic music making. So, uh, yeah, it's probably it's probably a good idea. So that's 299 clams for the micro brute creation and 449 clams for the Drum Brute Creation Edition. Well, people seem to love those uh, Arteria hardware things. Who would have imagined this a few years ago, James? Check this out. This is the Algonaut Atlas. This is an AI sampler. What? Yeah, I know. We've talked about AI in many things. We've talked about AI in synths. We've talked about AI in mixing plugins. But a sampler? What? So what do you see? What the hell is this? It's a mind map. Yeah. Looking for that perfect sound? You're damn right I am. So Atlas sort of maps all your samples. Hang on, so it's more like an audio organization tool. I don't understand how the mind map fits with the little step sequencer. I'm not sure. It's, it's a strange way of organizing things, but you have basically up and down X and Y coordinates yeah. for your different sounds, such as snares, kicks, other, and you it sort of maps them based Wait, on... Wait, this replace your sample browser? Uh-huh. So is it a sampler or is it a sample browser or is it a bit of both? I'm not as interested in the actual sampler. I want the browser, man. I wanted to, if there's something out there that can organize all my sounds and I put my pads together, basically, that's what I want. I think that's basically what this is. You know, Find your best samples. That's what I want to do. It's, it's tough to describe it as a sampler. It's definitely more of an organizational thing, isn't it? We got to try this out, dudes. Yeah, we should. I, I think basically you point this to your sample folder and it'll intelligently analyze everything. Okay. We'll help you. And where are you getting that information from? Uh, from their website. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I've got 400 gigabytes of samples. If an artificial intelligence can sort those out for me, I welcome our new robot overlords. Absolutely. I, I don't think a regular intelligence could sort 400 gigabytes of samples mm. out for you. No, well, I'm just happy that there's uh, things out there cleverer than us to do that. That's freaking great, man. Sweet. How much How much is it? Uh, this is $149. But... I just like looking at that big cloud of claps, man. It's just like, I want to dive into it and Clap see what those city. claps are. Yeah, look at that. It's, it's a continent. Yeah, wicked. It's an archipelago of oh, lovely God. sounds. That's I want to go to the island where all like the abstract percussion noises are, man. That sounds great. Is there a demo version? Uh, you you can you can get it as a demo, I believe. 
Okay, wicked. I'm going to try that out then. Good, uh, good find. Next up, we have Output Arcade. Do you know Output? No. Do should I? What? Output. They're they're primarily known for sort of contact instruments, little inspirational okay. instruments where you can get some pretty unusual sounds out of them. They started doing actual plugins quite recently as well. They're okay. they're quite they're quite liked and they make their interfaces nice and simple. But there is depth there. But this supposedly it's it's not a synth. It's not an instrument exactly in the traditional sense. But it's meant to be a massive workstation for working with all sorts of loops. It is a plugin, but it connects to the cloud and it lets you grab loads and loads of potential sounds and play them from there. Check it out. Okay. So they're using the whole sort of white keys actually play stuff and black keys modify things sort of idea here. Oh, it looks like a bit of a faff, bruv. Um, they seem to have gone for like an abstract interface to make it easier. Yeah. But I don't know. It looks a bit uh, crazy for people, maybe. This is basically, as you'd imagine, because it's so-called cloud-connected, this is a subscription plugin. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've talked about subscription deals a lot of the time. Yeah, I just need more money coming out of my account on a monthly basis, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's just like really hard to like find ways to get rid of it. <laughs> this is an interesting one. It is 10 American clams a month. Wow. And the the good thing about it is you can use it free for 100 days. Yeah. 100 but then days. you're locked into clam expenditure for the rest of your natural life. Exactly. However, there is one feature which means that basically if you've got it set up... It's intelligent enough to know if you have come off your subscription and you open up the project again, Mm. you can still access what you had. Okay. You just can't sort of change it very much or replace anything. So you won't lose it forever if you stop your your subscription. You'll be able to use the exact same patches you had at the last setup that you had. Yeah, okay, okay. I don't think you're massively impressed. No, I don't think, like, it looks like a bit of a faff. Um, I think people like stuff like Splice because it's real simple. You get the samples, you put them in your project, boom. It also raises the question of who is the artist now? Because these are heavily designed. If if you can just play a few notes and you've got an incredible sounding Omnisphere style sound, then who did the work for that? The sound is Well, that's made... Sample packs, romplers, you know, that that stuff's everywhere, man. Sampling, it's, you know... I th- I think, a bit like... I don't know, I'd like to think we're past caring, really, about who actually created art now and more interested in the art itself. Okay, so... I mean, it, it also means that, you know, the sound designers, sound designers are making their money, which is good, because they sort of sell this stuff. I guess, yeah. And you've got your subscription, you're paying for it, and if you make a hit track, then that's great for you. Yeah. If yeah. you don't, then you don't. Yeah. Maybe we're at the point where the sound designer is uh, the best career path in music production. Well, yeah, I mean, you can make money doing it and stuff and everything. I mean, it's like, it's. It, I guess it's about the distribution of income, I guess, um, whereas... It, 
you know, not a lot of people made money from sound design back in the day. Mm. More people can now, but they're maybe not going to make so much money out of it. Yeah, your patch designers for, let's say, a, a D50 or something might not have been paid uh, a golden wage, mm. but the, the amount of people who used those sounds... Well, that would have been Eric Persing, you know. It would indeed. <laughs> but the, the people who used those sounds probably made a lot more money. And, you know, are they entitled to that? I guess they I wouldn't are. know how much money Eric Persing was making when he was making those D50 uh, sounds. I bet he w- probably wouldn't want to talk about that. Have you have you read the story of Eric Persing? Because it's quite interesting. Because he uh, was basically, yeah. he was working in a, a music shop, which was geographically located, so no one ever came in. And so basically they would just play with all the stuff all day. Oh, okay. And like someone from Roland came over once to do some kind of product demo. And he was just showing them everything that they'd done with the synths while they were hanging out in the shop and no one was visiting. Yeah. And he was just like, ah, you should do a load of product demos for us and uh, we'll buy all these sounds that you've made. Oh, wow. You know, so little initiative. Yeah, wow. And maybe, maybe he was the first pro sound designer. Who knows? Yeah, well, he's certainly an inspiration, mates. The Native Instruments Crush Pack that we were talking about last time... Did we talk about it last time, we, or did we not know? Did we know what it was last time? We didn't know what it was, but uh, we, we the took names a guess. were out there. Oh, I knew what it was, but I couldn't tell you. You knew what it was because you did the product videos for them. Yeah, I did. And do you know what? I reckon it's pretty good, mate. Okay, so I guessed that we have three. Freak, Bite and Dirt. And I guessed that Freak was a filter, that Bite was a bit crusher, and that Dirt was a distortion. And you were so, so close. So, so close, because Freak is actually a frequency shifter, right? Yeah, man. I mean, that's like anyone could have made that mistake. True, true. So Don't beat yourself up about it, man. Tell me a few things about these. Oh, uh, yeah, so it's basically, so like, you know, the mod pack, it was just like three, these three little plugins um, that are basic, like kind of staple effects, but kind of take it a little bit extra. Um, Say you've got a frequency shifter that does like all these kind of like crazy radio effects and AM stuff and everything. Um, the bit like the bit crusher is pretty interesting, man. It's got this. It's got some like stuff that like takes the noise out of the signal. Oh, really? And it's got this thing that works like a kind of like a sort of smooth um, bit rate reduction stuff and everything. It's pretty good. So it takes what like the quantization noise out of the bit crush signal and leaves you with what exactly? Something like that. Well, you just I don't know, man. You have to play with it basically. Aww. I didn't. They didn't. I like. Often when I make these things, they don't have a manual or whatever. So it's just like, so I don't get to read up about it and everything. Yeah. But it's like pretty freaking good. And how is dirt? dirt? Dirt's really good. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to distortion, I just want to run 808 subs through it. So I did it and it sounded sick. So that's that's my take on that one, basically. They're also somewhat dirt cheap as well. The whole pack is uh, 69 European clams, 69 US clams and uh, 59 clam sterling. Okay. Well, yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Like... I mean, I guess the thing is, it's still not going to be into your kind of impulse price range. Like... For example, a wave sale item or whatever, because they're packaged together. Mm. But I think that is actually good value. Um, they are really, really good at what they do. 
But this, this, like most native instrument stuff, is basically part of complete. Yeah, it's yeah, fodder yeah, yeah, yeah. to bulk up complete to make it even more of a good deal. Yeah, it's a wicked addition to complete. Okay. In, to be fair, this plus the mod pack. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, like it's um yeah, it's kind of like they're getting their own suite now of like staple effects mm. that actually take like take that idea and enhance it in a meaningful way. That's nice. Is and and they they sort of go a little bit above and beyond the usual staple effects. They they're pushing things forward. Yeah, yeah, and it's like um you know, not everyone really is doing that. So yeah, no fair play to them. Mm. And it's nice it's nice to see that they're like innovating in plugins, which is, you know, these sort of just like, you know, standard plugins, not like a sort of a reactor thing or a guitar rig thing. They're standalone plugins, basically, yeah. which is, you know, it's a good look. And they don't work in reactor. They don't work in reactor, hey, just regular plugins. Lovely stuff. Zynaptic have released a plugin called Intensity, mm-hmm. which, uh, according to them, is built on techniques typically found in facial recognition algorithms. <laughs> Mate, when did music technology just become like Mass some techno thriller, man? Yeah. Well, zip- and like Da Vinci Code with all the freaking stuff. Mate, music tech is going through a weird time right now, man. Oh, I suppose people have to uh, do anything they can to justify being a little bit different. Yeah, I guess uh, so. But this is a little bit different. I quite like the idea behind this. Basically, it is. I think of it like a sort of caricature plugin. Uh, their take on it is that it makes sounds sound more like themselves. So <laughs> let's say you've got a sound which is naturally, I don't know, heavy at four kilohertz, heavy yeah. at 200 hertz, and it's got a big dip between. It will emphasize every bit of that okay. sort of thing. But it does it intelligently. It doesn't just apply an EQ to something or anything like that, or a multiband compressor, but it just... It it makes something more intensely itself, if you know what I mean. So the quote the quote from Zynaptic CEO Dennis Gokdag. Dennis Gokdag. Oh, very good. Uh, he says, uh, "That said, it is absolutely not a compressor. It's rocket science. Oh yeah. But the analogy does give you an idea of when to use it and what for. What?" Uh, or in plain English, intensity is the closest thing to an awesome knob we've come up with so far. Put it on everything, all the time. It is quite addictive. I've certainly never seen an awesome knob. If there is such a thing as an awesome knob, I want it. Yeah, so what I'd like to do is sort of put this plug-in on every track in a mix, turn it up, and see if it auto-mixes it for me. (laughs) Oh, nice, wicked. If it accentuates everything that is uh, sort of no james because the personality thing is, based of a sound no because james the whole thing about production is making those difficult difficult choices Ooh. and you're gonna have two sounds that are both like got oh, that no. low mid to me what do you i know do that's gonna happen what it's are you like, what are you oh, gonna cut it's like an episode of hollyoaks it's what? like it's like sophie's choice i was oh, gonna say but yeah that's more apt which yeah. one am i gonna cut can i just side chain it and have them both Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what you should do. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. No more EQ. Sidechain only. Sidechain, yeah. Sidechain only. Boom. How many clams is it? That is oof, quite a sweltering Ooh. 379 clams, which is a lot of clams. There is a but you can get it cheap uh, June 19th to 30th. For 149 euros or USD. Okay, that's quite a significant reduction. I think that's a bit more like it, but it's it's quite... I know, I'm sure it does loads... Bit of a risk, though. It's, it does, this it's, is an awesome knob that has not been tested. Yeah, it does a lot under the hood, but 
it's not got loads and loads of controls and you know i, I think that pricing is a bit too ambitious for this one okay well oh there's a demo version so you can try it okay well yeah that that you can't say much fairer than that you know if if you choose to buy it you choose to buy it Uh, we were talking about Studio One. Uh, was it last time or was it another time? I can't remember. We were talking about Studio One. We always talk about Studio One, mate. Studio, How's it doing? Studio One Four. I don't think I tried it last time, but um, oh, you have tried it now. Yeah, I've I've been getting on with it a lot because uh, I was doing the official Future Music review. Of... <gasps> the official Future Music Not review. Not that unofficial Future Music. Review. <laughs> what about all my bootleg Future Music reviews that I distribute? <laughs> um, it's uh i i was pretty much impressed by it like i said originally it's uh it's a very specific update it will mean a lot to certain people and not much to other people uh it didn't mean that much to me the way i work but i i was i was able to sort of rate the new stuff a lot of it is inbuilt instruments that have been souped up a bit and and they've done a good job at those and they've done a pretty good job with their little chord track um, but yeah, it, it, it's not really the update for me. I like the way they've changed the interface a bit, but there are some, some things that need fixing, uh, otherwise, which haven't, they haven't got around to, which is disappointing. Is it the best time ever to check out Studio One? Uh, yeah, I, it's always been the best time ever to check out <laughs> Studio One, uh, based on whatever version's out. Uh, it's always a good time to check out Studio One. Okay. It's, um... It's sort of no fuss, I generally find. Oh, that's nice. You know, it's pretty reliable. It's a nice, very standard door. You know, you've you've got a mixer, you've got an arrangement, you've got a browser. What more can you want? <laughs> it, it doesn't try and do anything incredibly special unless you start looking for it. So you can just, you know, you can drag all your things in where you want them and you can set it up how you want it. And if you want to check out all the other features, then you can certainly go looking. Okay, but it doesn't force those upon you if you see what I mean. That's that's good. That's, so that's like a design. It's always been nice and reliable. I think that's what got me to use it above everything else because I was just, I was just like, Ugh, I I know that I can just take this to Studio One, drop it here, and it'll be there. Why did you not find that with Ableton Live? Um, I think this goes back to the first time I used Live, which let me down the first time i ever used oh it. what this might be a bit of uh ableton ptsd here but yeah it sounds like it i was trying to I, I opened it for some very simple work to basically do something and then export it and the export options were going very weird for me at the time oh you know how the export <clears throat> you can sort of choose how many bars you want and it it wouldn't actually export it for me what because i it was, you know, you can only really export from the arrangement view. You can't export from the session view. And it was hard for me to know that because I'd only just loaded it up for the first time. And well, it does have a little bit of a learning curve on it. It man. does. It does. And I uh, since then, I, I know it far better. And I've never had any sort of export problems from it since then. I know how to Are you not it. just tempted to use Live for everything now? No, I. it's not. It just doesn't give me that vibe of the load it up and do something quick really i know it is quick that's absolutely insane and when me. you do load it up it loads up really quickly and you just bam you're straight in there yeah but there's something about it which offers inertia to me and i don't i don't quite i don't think it's my go-to 
bonkers. I've, I've done a lot of stuff in it, but it's, I can't still can't call it my go-to. Okay. Well, I guess it's cool that Studio One is an option that's out there for people who are malcontent with their door. <laughs> with with their live. Yeah, with their live. Yeah. yeah, you need to sort your live out. <laughs> Oh yeah! Yesterday, I convinced a software developer to not use iLock. <gasps> really? Yeah, just doing my bit for the uh, Wait. for the world of public good. What can you tell us about that then? Not much, but uh, he was going to use uh, iLock USB activation, and I uh, I said, please don't use iLock USB activation. You can use iLock, but use the machine-based iLock. So you just use the iLock software, and you don't need a USB stick. And I just said. It's just gonna really stop people from buying it. Oh, really? Do you reckon that's true? Uh, yeah, of course. Like, what in- what info do you have? If you see anything announced which requires a USB iLock, yeah, whether you see it on Facebook or in a forum, there'll always be that one person or multiple people who pile in and say, "Nah, it's got an iLock. I'm not interested." Yeah, people love to moan. I used to be very anti iLock until I got one. And now mm. I don't really mind it. I, but, well, I should say, actually, I got the the more recent iLock, not the OG one, right. which did seem to be a bit flaky. This one seems fine. I'd rather have it in the stick than have it in the computer. Is I it think, the probably. Silver 3? Probably. Okay. But yeah, I, I'm not anti-iLock either, but I know that a lot of people are. And you, if you choose to run it through iLock USB, you're basically alienating all those people. Well, yeah. And why sell to a small proportion of the market when you could sell to the whole of the market? That is very savvy. And their answer sense, would so. be copy protection. But I don't think the stick offers that much more than the, uh, you know, if someone's going to crack it, someone's going to crack it. There's very little you can do. I don't know what a crack is, James. So. <laughs> I, I remember someone, I don't know how true this is, but someone told me once that the only uh, plugin that's not been cracked is Piano Tech. I don't, I, I don't think that's true. That I think, doesn't sound true. I think they've all been cracked, but I, I may be very wrong on that. Who knows? Well, maybe Piano Tech can go into making uh, high end security. Yeah, I did, I did once chat to some security expert, and he said basically, you can come quite close to making stuff uncrackable. But what you have to do is basically you have to build your own compiler. And I don't know how au fait you are with uh, software programming, Tim. Sounds easy, though, right? But you, you have to build your own compiler rather than using the inbuilt one. And it, there's always a way around it, basically, is the upshot. It's, oh, man. You can, do, you can go somewhat of the way, but there are teams out there who are just working to, to get this stuff cracked. And they'll do it. They'll do it. You can't fight against them. Yeah, man. And it is their sacred mission to crack plugins and, and various other bits of music making software. You may think that by putting, 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 putting your USB iLock licensing in there that you're sort of gonna beat those people, but really? but by trying really hard to stop people from cracking it. You're basically oh, I think gonna... the consumer, yeah, the consumer tends to be the one that suffers. Yeah. Exactly, you're going to stop people from buying. Uh, it. Yeah, and I think it's good to be nice to your consumers. So fair play. Yeah, just ignore the crackheads. Yes. So our uh, we we all know acoustic or audio, the uh, Italian convolution hounds. Yeah, they 
love to release emulated models of classic uh, EQs and compressors and channel strips. And the latest, it is called Water. 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 Um, water. Tell us about Water, James. Uh, it, it's the classic. It's it's a, a classic 60s EQ, a classic 60s compressor, and a version which combines the two in a channel strip. And why is it called Water? Uh <laughs> It's beyond me, but that's not what we're interested in here. Okay. Tell us what we're interested in here. Um, We're going to have a look at the manual, right? Yeah, we are. So the front page of this manual, which is a PDF, um, is like, it looks like something out of Lord of the Rings or whatever. It does. It looks like uh, the second installment of Lord of the Rings, the green one. And it says water in big fancy lettering. Volume two, Purgatory. (laughs) Ominous. So... Should we dive into it? Let's dive in. Tim, read Acoustica's manual for water. Welcome. Thank you for choosing Water, a plugin by Acoustica Audio, which is second in a series of three plugins, each embodying a volume of Dante's Divine Comedy, according to Acoustica's vision. Oh, yeah. So they're interpreting the Divine Comedy. In plugin form? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So while conceiving this manual... We are continuing with the theme that we started with Cream. It serves as a common thread in order to better communicate our vision behind this product. So once again, welcome to a Cantica, the second Dante's volume reinterpreted by Acoustica. Here is our Water Purgatory. All right. How to use this manual. Please read this user manual carefully. We did our best to make it pleasant and informative reading. This manual is divided into nine different sections. As with the traditional purgatory, we follow the Thomistic clarification of the vices, right? Here we are not referring to single faults. Instead, we are subdividing the canticle. I don't, what is a canticle? Uh... Uh, uh, Into seven cornici. Cornici. Is that an Italian dessert? I assume so. In each of them, one of the seven deadly sins, uh, peccati capitali, okay, is expiated. Pride, envy, wrath, sloth, greed, gluttony, gluttony and lust. I get that bit. At the beginning, you will find the anti-purgatory and finally the earthly paradise at the end of our journey. Oh, this sums up to a total of nine sections, each one describing various features of the Water Aqua Effects plugin. Sounds simple it's enough so far. Water Aqua now. I d- okay, we've got pictures of like, is this Dante's hell, is it? Uh, I can't remember what that is. I okay. did know all this shite, but... No, okay, okay, okay. Then there's some poetry, right? Right. I don't know what this... Okay. Do you want to read a couple of... Uh... No, I'm not going to read the Divine Comedy, no. Just a picture of a nice cove there, I yeah. guess. Um, and a Renaissance some, woman. Some Medici-inspired art or something. Okay. Oh, this is so weird. Someone at Acoustica has really been very bored. Yeah, man. What are they doing with their... Jo- okay. Chapter 1.2.1. Genesis of Water. 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 Dot, dot, dot. The nourishment of all things resides in the where and the water is the matrix, mother and generation principle. Water is the principle or the element of things. All things are water. And that's... Tales Tali- of Miletus. Greek uh. philosopher, C624 to C546 BC. Oh, you're good at that stuff. Thales, I think it is. Thales is commonly considered from Aristotle on the first philosopher in the history of Western thought. 
Dante mentions this within the Divine Comedy in the fourth canto of his Inferno, Obviously. placing him in limbo as a virtuous, unbaptized soul. Weird acoustica, with all due respect. <laughs> have the audacity to quote him, though. Although Thales actually belongs to Dante's previous canticle, we believe that his words can rightly be placed at the beginning of our water journey. While we're ascending to purgatory, his thoughts can guide us on our way step by step. The genesis of this sensational plug-in suite took place only after an intense phase of design, development and prototyping. Our ultimate goal was to be faithful to the original machine at the same time, extend its capabilities and What the hell has this got to do with Dante's I, Inferno? I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're going on a bit of then a they tangent. They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're, they're talking about EQs and stuff. Maybe what's going on. Now they're just talking about the te tech specs. How many, how many pages is the this manual? The first Pride is 70 pages, mate. 70 pages for an EQ and a compressor plugin. First Terrace. Pride. Pride. After his conversation with the proud, Dante notes further sculptures on the pavement below, this time illustrating Pride itself. The sculptures so show Satan, Lucifer, oh, and, <laughs> and, and building of the Towers of Babel, King Saul, Niobe, Arachne, King Rehoboam... Right, I don't know, and others. Okay, each plugin in the water bottle features different preamplifiers capable of adding warmth to your sound. Thank you. I don't. What is Finally. going? <laughs> what is going on, mate? Who is this for? Who has made this? I don't and know. Why does it exist? I think someone is taking the piss here. Man, I like how it's so pretentious, though, man. It's like they've... Oh, third terrace. Third terrace, wrath. wrath. The souls of the wrathful walk around in acrid smoke, which symbolises the blinding effect of anger. Sweet. Our technology provides seamless support of real-time pre-amplification, equaliser, compressor, reverb, multi-effects, stopbox, cabinets, microphones, and tape emulations on Intel-based machines. Ah. Uh, Windows and OS X. I think Dante used an Intel-based machine. I have no idea what is going on. What page are you on now? Page 30 of seven, May. So I think you basically get the idea, right? This is one hell of a manual. Um, in summary... Is someone going to get fired at Acoustic or Audio? I think whoever is in charge has done this. Oh, yeah? Because... You think it's a passion project for someone at the top? Because what else are they spending their day doing? I don't know. It's certainly not a good use of money. Maybe some people are just going to flip their lid over this and just love it so much. Yeah, I mean... It begs the question, have other acoustic or audio manuals been similarly insane? I think, the I think the first one was supposed to be a bit wacky, according to a reliable source. Mm. So, yeah, well, it's nice to see people getting weird with it, man. Like, I think every getting... everyone's getting a bit too boring. It's nice to see just crazy shit popping off. I'm happy with it. Yeah, like you said, things are getting a bit mental in music technology these days. You've got Michelangelo, you've got Dante. Yeah, man. I like how it's getting all a bit renaissance, man. I want to get a bust of Helios, and you think you'd be able to get that sort of thing on eBay very easily. I think but... you'll have to just settle for an emulation. <laughs> an emulation of bust of desktop backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. You and I are journalists, and uh, it's fair to say we have written enough waffle in our times. Mm. We can tell when someone's just writing words to pad things out. I don't think we've ever added Dante's Inferno anything to pad it out, have we? No, just knob jokes for us. Knob yeah, no, that's nice. That's like, I don't, To be honest, I've been quite lucky in the most stuff I've had to write is you've had to cut, I've had to cut down or whatever. There's very little room for waffle in today's modern age, don't you? Unless you get to write your own very self-indulgent 
uh, manual about Dante's Inferno. Yeah, maybe maybe we should uh, try and get the job of writing the next one. Um, I think they're doing it like that because they want to do it themselves. Oh. So I don't think that I don't think they're looking to outsource that. I think all plugin developers should give Timmy and Jimmy the job of doing their manual. Um, that sounds really boring, mate. Uh, I reckon that would be pretty I think, bad. I think man. the pay is usually quite good for manuals because they are. That sounds it interesting. Is a, it is a lot of work. Yeah, for something that not many people are going to read, but a lot of people are going to want to have. If you don't have it, if you don't give people one, then you're screwed. But if you I do, hate not many it. people read it. I hate it when stuff doesn't come with a manual. Exactly. So annoying. Timo, my friend, I wanted to talk to you about different types of producers. Okay. We know by now you are from the world of dance music. And I am from the world of rock music. Yeah. And and together with the Chemical Brothers. Yeah. Uh, people, I think people know quite well what rock music people think about dance music people. Yes, they look down on them. And what rock musicians think about dance musicians. They think they're fusty. No. Oh, um, what? Sorry. Rock musicians. Oh, rock musicians. So, for example... Like, aren't there, aren't there a bunch of, like, Dave Grohl and Henry Rollins basically say they think dance music isn't real music? Right. Because they've become everything that they once hated. But my question to you is, what do dance music people think about rock music? They don't think about it. They just don't think about it? No. They don't think about it at all? No, I think a lot of dance people like rock music. Right. Um, but I think it's not like I don't think it's a I don't think that thing is a two way street really. I exactly. Think, I think you know dance music is a more, like a more recent movement, um, and that's why rock looks down on it. Okay, you don't think it's to do with the fact that it's often just people pressing play and they've done all the work beforehand. Well, yeah, 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 sure. sure. I mean, it's surely rock music is about talent and musicianship and the human touch, and when rock musicians are confronted with something that doesn't include those things. Yeah. That's what they don't so like. So I guess I guess uh, the idea is that um, I spent ages learning how to play guitar like a freaking demon yeah. or whatever, and you looked on a YouTube video and learned how to uh, make a wob bass in Fruity Loops. Exactly. And to them, it means everything, that it's about talent and time and musicianship. Yeah. And performance, talent, basically. And someone else can come along and not really, not give such priority to those things. The thing is, it's Apple, it's, well, no, it's, it's, the thing is, it's Apple and, apples and oranges, because when you're making a piece of dance music, it's, it's more about the composition and arrangement, sound design and live performance. And, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, they have different aspects to them. What can a rock music producer or rock musician do to appreciate electronic music? I think if you don't have, like for me, I like electronic music because I have a visceral response to it. I think if you don't have a visceral response to it, you're probably never going to get it because, you know, if you don't like it, why would you bother learning to appreciate like the filthiest Reese ever? Right. So I think, I think if you, yeah, if, if you're a rock person and you don't, find, well, the one thing I would say is like, it's tricky, man. Like 
there's a lot of terrible electronic music around, especially now. Um, if you really want to like make sure that you like don't hate all dance music, that is quite a time-consuming task because there's loads of different stuff out there. Yeah. So maybe try and listen to a few bits. But like generally, the stuff you get in, let's say, a gym, would be. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like, oh god, if I had to listen to like. Like, even mainstream drum and bass that I'm not really into anymore or whatever. So it's like, you know, if I had to listen to, like, EDM all day or whatever, I'd probably be very upset. Exactly. So, so the, like, yeah, sorry, carry on. There is talent in electronic music. It's just in different areas which you might not realise until but you start. I don't even care about the talent. It's like, I, all I am interested about is the music. I, I don't listen to a bit of music and I think... Well, like sometimes I do. Sometimes you listen to a bit of music and it will make, will make you think, oh, isn't sound so talented? Mm. I listen to a bit of music to experience the emotions that it makes me feel. And, and I don't really I don't really care about how it was. Well, I do care about how it was produced, obviously, because otherwise I would be a freaking music tech journalist. Yeah. But yes, it's not like I want to make music as well. Yeah. So that's why I care about how it's produced. It's not about the idolatry of the person. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, like rock music. Like I know dance music has become like this more recently, especially like mainstream dance music. But that kind of the idea of a uh, sort of rock musician as a kind of archetype, and I think is what yeah exactly is what people identify with. Right, and dance music doesn't have like that. And so when you know when people started making music uh, like on samplers, late eighties, putting out white labels. And it didn't even have anyone's name on it. Mm. I think rock music, you know, interpreted as saying everything that you stand for is bunk. Whereas it was more just about uh, people people making, being free to make whatever music they wanted to. Right. It's interesting to hear that it doesn't really go the other way. That uh, your dance music people won't really have anything against rock God, music not people. at all. And loads of people who like dance music like rock music as well. But they're just not not snobby about it in the way that people who are rock fanboys would be, I, I think. Right. Which is usually people who invested a load of time in learning to play instruments. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah, they've got their time investment and that's that's fair enough. They've probably invested a lot more time than a lot of other people have. But yeah, I mean I'd say it takes it takes a long time to learn how to make dance music to a good standards. That's true. It's it's a more it's far more technical a pursuit. It's a bit like the rock music producer who <clears throat> doesn't necessarily have to know how to play any instrument at all, but mm. does know need to know how to do the technical side of things. Uh, maybe this is an all e- really just an economic thing where it's better for the bigwigs to have one person doing everything than pay like ten dudes in a studio to do it. I'm sorry, I don't follow you. Well, it's you know, guy working on his laptop making a track is going to cost far less than oh, absolutely. renting and, a studio, five and, professional musicians and f- engineers and producers and stuff like that. Economics has, you know, is really responsible. Like it's responsible in loads of ways for the way music sounds. Um, and, you know, from, from, you know, people, people making white labels back in the day and everything, people not using samples anymore. Uh, because they, because they're expensive to clear and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I think economics does have it has a massive impact on the way people make and what what sort of music they make. Yeah, I guess that's that's one of the things behind the whole so called EDM explosion in America in the last what ten years. How ten years ago you'd go to America and it would be full on guitar music hundred percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly you've got all these kids at festivals doing MDMA and uh, and listening to banging big room music. 
Yeah, and it's like, you know, I'd say even most most households these days, I imagine, have a computer. What? I, I, I know. Call Preposterous me crazy. man. Call me crack. Now, this is a crackpot theory, right? N- maybe not as many um, houses have musical instruments as computers. Good God. Call me crazy, guys. So, but yeah, no, I think rock people should carry on shitting on dance music and looking down on it and saying (laughs) it's not proper. And I think young people shouldn't express themselves in whatever way they want. Okay, James, that's it. We've done all the the stuff that we were supposed to do. How has that left you feeling? Uh, I I feel remorseless and yet still petrified. Okay, wicked. Well, that's good to know. So, yeah, I mean, any any bets on what's going to happen with Beringer in the next uh, couple of weeks, mate? Uh, I think they're going to sue us. I think they're going <laughs> to sue all our listeners. Yeah. And probably our pets as well. Watch out, guys. Uh, they're coming for you. So you take care. Take care out there. See you later. Bye. Bye. Um, yeah, it just seems like it. Well, it's the um, it's the. I mean, like the thing is, you've got to imagine. Like the thing is, everything 